Welcome to Lacrosse and Sport, the show for the fastest game on two feet. Brought to you by Vieira Lacrosse and Sport, Central Florida's premier center for the finest lacrosse equipment, apparel, and training. Now, here are your hosts, Roger Welton and Steve Jordan. Hello, Lacrosse and welcome back to Lacrosse and Sport. I'm your host, Roger Welton, along with my co-host, Steve Jordan. How are you doing tonight, Steve? Doing great, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing excellent. I'm very excited about tonight's show. We have the great Brian McGill on, and uh, we're going to be talking about our camps and some of the experiences he's had in the last year playing for Team USA, having transitioned from the outdoor Major League Lacrosse League into the indoor National Lacrosse League, and contrasting bat, the, the box and the field style and uh, what his plans for the future are. It sounds great. I'm excited about it as well. And uh, for the listeners, if you didn't hear our podcast with Ray McGill, Ryan McGill is his younger brother. So we've got the dynamic duo here with us. And uh, these guys are no joke. They definitely bring uh, lacrosse to another standard and new level. And being from our hometown, Raj of Clark, New Jersey, I'm even more impressed by their, uh, their level of play and the standard at which they hold themselves to in the game of lacrosse, aren't you? Absolutely. We have two of Clark's finest, and one of them is here tonight. How you doing, Brian? Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Stephen Rogers. It's an honor to be here. Um, pumped to get this podcast going. Can't wait to uh, come down for our clinic in a couple of weeks. Haven't seen you guys in a while. Can't wait to get back at it. It's always a great time, Brian. You guys put on a great program for the kids. Um, so speaking of which, most of our listeners are the kids that you come down here to train. And uh, I just want to start with congratulations on taking the bronze with Team USA. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a big step for me in my career as a lacrosse player. Uh, growing up training my whole life to play at the highest level possible in the sport that's given me so much. Uh, to be able to represent the red, white, and blue um, at the World Indoor Lacrosse Championships was truly a dream come true. Lots of sacrifice, lots of hard work, lots of friends and family that made sacrifices for me um, to get me to where I am today. Um, you know, it was just a tremendous experience and couldn't be more proud to uh, you know, represent this nation in, uh, in such a tremendous, tremendous sport. And I saw you got to hang out with Jim Brown and Al Gore. Yeah, I did. That was uh, that was pretty cool. I, I didn't expect to see um, Al Gore there, um, but you know, he's big with um, you know the Native Territories and um, you know the Onondaga Nation. He's big into helping them out, which is amazing, uh, and recognizing them. And then Jim Brown, you know, being a famous Syracuse lacrosse and football player. Um, you know, the first time I ever saw Jim Brown was a uh, the poster up in the banner that says the greatest athlete ever, which is about a massive, massive. Massive poster, um, just hanging at the top of the dome. It's pretty surreal to meet him in person. Um, uh, just a great guy, uh, great athlete, great player. And, you know, he does everything right. Steve, so got anything to chime in on, bud? Yeah, I do, actually. You know, uh, Brian, I really love to hear that when you just expressed yourself there about how, you know, the sacrifices you made, the sacrifices your family made, the training you put in. You know, I feel like when people watch you on TV or any other athlete for that matter, you know, they see only what you're doing in that moment, but they don't know what you're doing behind the scenes to get you to that moment. And could you just reiterate how important it is to 
you know, do what it takes to get to the level that you're at? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, lacrosse is one of those sports that, you know, you really got to, you know, you really got to be able to master all sports, of your all parts of your body. And, you know, that with that being said, you know, your mind is constantly going and you got to get that muscle memory involved with, you have to be able to make game time decisions along with being able to handle the ball, catch the ball, shoot the ball, pass the ball, understand what you're doing, your defensive schemes, your offensive schemes, and all that comes with repetition after repetition. Um, one thing I can remember growing up was my, my mother always told me, you know, however long you spend playing lacrosse, that's how much time you got to do your homework. That was a big thing for me growing up. You know, I never would have gotten to you know, Syracuse University without my grades. Uh, which is, you know, you're a student athlete, you know, student always comes first. So, you know, that was one thing that I really took to, uh, took to heart to help, you know, to really boost my game and take it to the next level if I wanted to play at that Division One, you know, collegiate level and compete for a national championship every year. And then, you know, just the sacrifices that you were talking about, you know, when you go to college to play lacrosse or even high school or even the MLL or the NLL, you know, it's a full-time job. You know, you don't get the luxuries of free time like normal students at a university do. You have, you know, class from 8 to 3, practice from 4 to 6, study tables from 7 to 9, or you got to squeeze in weightlifting, eating, and studying in there. So, <laughs> there's a lot going on, and then, you know, you leave on Thursdays or Fridays for games. You're not back till Sunday or Monday. Uh, you got to make sure all your work is done, papers are in. Um, you got to make sure you're healthy, get in shape, get in the training room. You know, there's a lot of the, you know, the off the field stuff that people don't realize that go into it uh, and you know we just try to express that to the kids as we you know as we teach as we develop as we try to be role models to them is you know they see what's going on on the field but really it's what's off the field that matters so let's talk about your career a little bit and we could transition into your mll and nll and i'd like to really get into the distinction between the two and what your experience uh is in each game and compare and contrast for us because here in Florida, especially box is not big. Obviously we could be outdoors whenever we want to be. Ha ha. And so, but it's still a great aspect of lacrosse because as far as the training is concerned, there's a reason why Canadian attackmen tend to be the best attackmen, right? It's, it's the movement in tight spaces. We'll get into that in a sec, but you're, you're going to have the greater expertise on that. But, let, let's start off with your Syracuse. You were a four-year starter, two-year All-American, and obviously had a very good career. Got to compete for the national championship game. Fell short against Duke, I believe. Yep. Very tight game. I remember watching that on TV before we actually met. Yeah. It pretty yeah, interesting. It, it was a close game. Um, you know, we had them up in the in the beginning, and then just ran out of steam there towards the end. Uh, I think the final score was sixteen ten, and you know, it's something that. You know, I've had to live with, you know, my whole life I went to Syracuse University, not only for the education, but in the expectation of winning. Uh, you know, we I've won my fair share of games up there. Um, unfortunately, not the big one that I needed to win or that we needed to win as a team. Um, but you know what? To be able to say that I made it as far as I did, um, both, you know, in the regular season and in the postseason is, you know, truly an honor. To be one of the final two teams in Division I lacrosse playing on Memorial Day was you know, a complete honor for me and, you know, to represent the University of Sy- or Syracuse University and to be there with all my brothers on my team, it was truly a tremendous, tremendous experience. Steve? I think I have no, no comment. I think that's awesome. I think it's uh, great that you can recognize that even at that level where, you know, you were almost there, 
you know, there's no, they say no, there's no room for second best, but you still have gratitude and appreciation for being there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you put in full year's worth of work. There is no off season. I mean, there is because you're not playing regular season games, but when you're playing at the elite level that you want to play at, there is no off season. You know, there's constant training, constant practice. Like I talked about earlier, you're constantly with your teammates, all 55 of us together in a locker room for four, five, six hours a day. You know, you really begin to go, grow close and to be able to reach your goal. You know, your goal is to win, but, you know, you got to get there to be able to win. So we were able to get there as a unit, as a family um, to pull through. You know, we lost to the teams that I think we should have beaten and beat the teams that I think we should have lost to. So you know, we were able to pull it together when we needed to, and it just fell short there at the end. But, you know, to say that, you know, it was any one person's fault or anything like that, it's not. You know, it's a team that's on the field. It's a team unit. And, you know, anybody that was on that team would say the same thing. Can I ask one question? What was that bus ride or plane ride home like? Um, so we bussed home. Um, it was in Philly, so we, we took a bus. It was uh, it was emotional. You know, we had two separate buses, so we had the upperclassmen and the starters on one bus and the underclassmen and red shirts and whatnot on the other. And, you know, you wish you could have all everyone on the same bus, but unfortunately that's not the case. Um, but, you know, it, it was an emotional one knowing that, you know, me and the seniors and the guys that I, you know, went through my four years of college with, you know, our time was coming to an end on a six short hour bus ride. You wish that bus ride was about 36 hours at that time. Um, but you know, it's something that, you know, you got to live and go through. There's more to lacrosse, there's more to life than lacrosse and, you know, there's stuff beyond what we did. So, you know, we were proud of what we accomplished on the field, um, proud of the bonds that we shared, things of that nature. So, you know, really going back as much as it was, was a loss. It was more of a, you know, a celebratory, you know, Hey, we, we did it. You know, we set out get to where we needed to be and we did yeah we fell up short but you know what we gave it our all and i think everyone on the team would say the same thing well speaking of moving on to the next level obviously you just said okay well very disappointing but still you you still got to that game and that that's something to be said and how about just playing for syracuse period right but the next level was for you i believe the chesapeake bayhawks was the next stop um, no, so my first year, my rookie year, I came out, I, I was drafted to the Denver Outlaws, so I spent my summer okay. um, after my senior year traveling to and from Denver <clears throat> just about every weekend playing with the Outlaws, and tremendous organization, it was oh, yeah. an unreal experience going out there every weekend, great group of guys, great coaching staff, we played at Mile High Stadium where the Denver Broncos play, um, we stayed right in the heart of downtown Denver, so the nightlife was great, you know, the Denver really does a good job of supporting its professional teams within the area, whether it's the Outlaws, the Broncos, the Mammoth, uh, the Nuggets, whoever it may be, they do a phenomenal job of supporting. And, you know, it was it was truly a blessing to be out there. And then Chesapeake Bayhawks were next. And then I got traded to the Bayhawks the following year, um, which is cool because I live right outside of Annapolis and to be able to play in my home state um, is, is a pretty cool experience in itself. Um, we didn't have the best year my first year in the, with the Bayhawks, which was unfortunate. But, you know, it was still nonetheless. I made new teammates. I made new family members. I played in new areas. Um, I learned some new things, and I helped develop my game. I just want to clarify, your home state, no matter where you currently live or lived, will always be the state of New Jersey. It is, it is, it is New Jersey. Uh, but where I currently reside in Maryland, I have to, you know, got to give them props. I got it. I'm a Floridian now, too, but, you know, I'll always be a Jersey boy. Um, so, so you transition. You made the transition from MLL to NLL, 
And the difference is one is the field game and one is the indoor game. Uh, many people call indoor lacrosse. Box lacrosse is the lay terminology for it. So why the, ch- why the transition? <clears throat> um, so it's actually a funny story. I was sitting in my apartment finishing up my, my fall semester of my fifth year. I had a couple classes that I needed to finish up. And I got an email from the GM of the Philadelphia Wings. And they're like, hey, you know, we know you're a local guy. We're having tryouts. Do you want to come out? Um, give it a shot. See what you think. And, you know, at first I was like, me, box across. Like, I've never really played. I like the idea of it. I don't know. Ended up just going out. Like, what do I have to lose? You know, if I don't make it, I wasn't planning on doing it anyway. If I make it, then all right. And I ended up going down. I ended up, you know, doing a very good job in tryouts according to the evaluators that were there, made the squad, um, ended up cracking the 16-man, uh, 16-runner roster on the bench for um, most of the games. Um, and one thing that I took from box is that it is a completely different game from the field game. <laughs> so me being used to sliding from the crease, you know, playing one-on-one defense, forcing behind the cage, things of that nature is no longer an aspect in the indoor game. And, I see it as more of a challenge to myself where I feel like I have, I don't want to sound um, outlandish, but I, where I feel like I have mastered and played at the highest level at the outdoor game um, in terms of, you know, my terminology, my, my lacrosse IQ Um, in the field game. I feel like now being able to play box lacrosse, it kind of brings a new kind of competitive spirit in me because it's such a tough game. Uh, and it's something that I've never played before, and it's something every day I continue to learn more and more and more about the ins and outs, the tricks, techniques, the, the schemes, uh, you know, different ways to shave, shave seconds off a shot clock, different ways to get off the floor and save seconds on a shot clock for the offense. Um, you know, it taught me a lot about my angles, a lot about the two-man game, pick-and-roll game. It's, you know, getting in the shooting lane, and honestly, my my stick skills in the field game have gotten a million times better by playing box across. That's remarkable. Uh, there is no, there is no out of bounds. So the ball is always in play. <laughs> there, you know, there is nowhere to hide. So to <laughs> guys, unlike in the field game, yeah. You know, in offense, you can't get the sticks. You can't get the ball out of their sticks anyway as a defender. So there's no reason to go chase them all the way out to the midfield line and get beat. Right. So, you know, there is a place to hide in the field game. In the indoor game, there is no place to hide. Uh, I never thought that of that. Constant, in that constant struggle of, Hey, I'm an American playing in a Canadian league. If I do something that's, you know, not in the written code or in the written rules, am I going to get into a scrap this game? Am I going to fight? Am I going to have to pull my gloves off? Um, so that kind of, that kind of gives you a little bit more oomph as you're going throughout the game. And that was actually going to be one of my questions because I think Roger and I had this conversation a few weeks back and discussing your playing indoor. Um, you've been known recently, I guess in the past several months or in this, season to be a scrapper is that right um so i've gotten you know i i like to think of it as a you know, i'm not a flashy guy i don't score goals i don't get assists i dig in between the lines and i do what i need to do to help my teammates win um you know whatever whatever it takes you know that's kind of that's kind of how i like to think of it if i have to you know get in there and you know get physical with somebody who you know needs to be whatever and you know what for my teammates that's what i'm going to do you know do i want to you know, I don't know. I got to go to work on Monday. I don't feel like getting a black eye. In a <laughs> mode, but, no, it, it, I'll, I would do anything to help my teammates do what we need to do to win. So, you know, that's 
I wouldn't consider myself a scrapper. I would consider myself, you know, do whatever I need to kind of guy. Team, a team player. That's great. Well, it's like hockey. In hockey, there's guys whose job it is to go out there and set the physical tone. Oh, that is and, by all means, that is not me. There are enforcers in the league. That is not me. You're not an enforcer. I am not an enforcer. <laughs> there okay. are guys that are enforcers that, you know, if they heard me saying that I'm I'm a scrapper, then they're going to come after me. But no, that is, that is <laughs> well, not me. Okay, nice. We, we definitely got that. But there are enforcers in box lacrosse, though. Um, you know, they're starting to wean them out of the game. Yeah. Um, but there are still a couple that, you know, aren't even known as enforcers that are just very, very good scrappers, very good fighters. So, so you made Team USA. Uh, had a had a had a nice season with the the New England Black Wolves. Is now the that's the former Philadelphia Wings, correct? So you yeah. just you're playing up in New England. Um, you made Team USA, and tell us about that experience. No, it was it was tremendous. I mean, like I said earlier in the podcast, it was an unreal experience to be able to put on the red, white, and blue for you know any sort of sport no matter what it be but for the for the sport I love lacrosse it's even better and at a game that I just picked up two two and a half years ago to be able to say that you know I put in the time and effort and you know I picked up from you know my teammates my coaches um within the indoor league that you know I was able to kind of soak everything in how to be the best possible player at this point in time um at my current you know ability whatnot and it was just unreal to be able to play um, and the Onondaga Nation, to be able to play an indoor game in the Carrier Dome where I played all of my field games going throughout college was just a tremendous experience in itself. And being able to play against you know, teams like Team Iroquois or Team Czech Republic or Team England, Team Finland, it was just a great, great lacrosse culture, great, you know, it was speechless is, you know, what comes to mind. It was just amazing. And, you know, it was close enough to where my parents could make the trip up and for them to see me represent the country – um, is just you know a dream come true. That's fantastic. Now, I I find it pretty impressive that you've been able to transition from a field game and then professionally to a completely different style of lacrosse. Because um, I when I played for Montclair State, we were we would do some box because we were snowed in. I'm sure you know what that's like in Syracuse, but we didn't have the big fancy you know indoor facility that you guys at Syracuse have. So we went to a local you know, skating rink really that had. Um, it had boards and and some you know that horrible hard turf that everybody blows their ACLs out on back in the day, um, and we would play other schools. We would play Fairleigh Dickinson was nearby, Drew University, um, and, and that would that, that that that's all we could do. That was our scrimmage that we could do because you know sometimes we'd have to get these big blizzards in February, March. Um, anyway, what I figured out very quickly is where whereas I was a successful midfielder in the field game, I really was a lousy box player. I mean. I could not make the transition, and, and my coach would be like, "What the what the hell is wrong with you?" <laughs> you know, like it's it being in the tight spaces was really hard for me. Um, can you elaborate on that? Why why I was so bad? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is just it it is it is night and day a different game, and I mean, for I think it's even tougher to transition as an offensive player into the box game if you don't grow up playing your whole life because there are so many little tidbits and styles and formations and ways to get open and things that you need to do as an offensive player to, you know, get yours. And if you don't get yours, then, you know, if you can't put up 70, 80 points in a season as an offensive player, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get on the floor, whether that's in assists or goals. And, um, you know, it, it's just, there's 
Space is so tight. There's nowhere to dodge. It's all pick and rolls. It's all moving picks. Um, you know, as an offensive player, you know, you could run through the middle and you're going to get hit hard. Whether it's in the kidneys, in the, in the, in the chest, in the, in the face, you're going to get hit. And in the field game, you're used to just let them, you know, let them through, let them through, let them through. Not in the field, not in the box game. If you come through the middle, you're, you know, you're going to hear about it. So that's wow. one big thing that, that's one big thing that field players struggle with transitioning on the offensive end is, you know, getting used to that style of play and, you know, things of that nature. One thing that I've found, sorry, I'm kind of rambling here. One no, thing it's all right. I found that Americans um, struggle with on the offensive end of the floor is after shots, when there's a shot on goal, most American players that play indoor are attackmen, and their first reaction is to step towards the goal or step towards the ball or get a defender. When in the, in the box game, you need to get off the floor to cut off reverse transition. Um, and that's one thing that I noticed that I'm starting to teach our kids at a young age at our box across training facility here in Maryland is that after you shoot, right, you can only leave one or two guys down there to try and fetch the ball. The other three need to get off the floor so we can get D guys on to cut off reverse transition. Um, and that's one of the, you know, it's just such a subtle thing that you're so wired when you play for so long on the field game that as soon as there's a shot, you can take a breather, relax, go get your defender. Not in, not in box. You don't have time for that kind of, you know, that kind of pause, that kind of leisure. Hmm. Brian, Brian, you there? Yep. Okay, great. I was uh, really curious. Uh, what country nation surprised you the most in their skills or in their tactics and their field sense or, as you call it, lacrosse IQ? Um, yeah, that's a great question, Steve. Uh, and actually, I do have a good answer for you. Um, we were playing, I believe it was Czech Republic. You know, I was really impressed with their level of play. Granted, they did have a lot of Canadian influence on their teams. You know, it, it doesn't it doesn't matter, right? The guys that were native-born or from the area, um, from Czech Republic, excuse me, you know, they are really picking up the game and picking up the game of lacrosse, and it's phenomenal to see it spreading at that level. Uh, you know, they gave us a run for their money. It was physical. It was daunting. It was, you know, it was one of those games that going into it, you know, you don't really hear anything about the Czech Republic team or whatever the case is. And they came out and, you know, they gave it their all. And it was tremendous, tremendous, tremendous to see how developed they've become in the last four years from the last World Games to, you know, this year's World Games. It's amazing. Yeah, you think Czech Republic, you, you don't really, you think you think of hockey, perhaps? Yes, but, but, absolutely. But lacrosse is... And that's yeah. why I think the box game relates so well to them because there's a lot of similarities between mm. hockey and lacrosse in terms of you know developing ways to get open, scheme strategies, getting on and off the ice, <laughs> things that things like that. You even said get on and off the ice. The uh, um, let's let's talk about Casey Powell for a moment. Uh, Casey Powell, actually, Brian, I think we might have lost you for a second. Can you hear me, buddy? No, I'm here. Okay, um, you, you kind of blanked out there for a sec. So, Casey Powell is a unique individual. Obviously, he's he's a legend. Um, he played at Syracuse, and he's very well known here in Florida, of course, because he's a star for the Florida launch, where he got MLL Player of the Year uh, at the age of 30, 38 years old, which was just incredible. But you got a, a player here who's amazing at the field game, and he's also amazing at the indoor game. So you played with Casey. 
please elaborate. What's so special about Casey that makes him able to be successful at two vastly different styles? Uh, you know, I I try to think about that myself and how good he is at his age. And, you know, he just doesn't seem to age a bit. Um, I have had the opportunity to play with Casey in a number of different um, locations, that being Hawaii, Vail, in the Carrier Dome on the alumni team. I played against him in the Carrier Dome when I was on the current team. I played against him in the MLL, um, and I played with him in, like you said, for Team USA for the Indoor Box um, World Lacrosse Championships. And he has, he just has such a blue-collar, lunch-pail attitude that it's not paralleled in this in this day and age anymore. He is a hard-nosed, gritty guy that is one of the most competitive people that you'll ever meet. And, you know, he just is such a knack for the game. He's just very smart. He knows where to be. He knows how to beat defenders. He knows, um, you know, the ins and outs of, of every sort of game. And, he, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he has some sort of age time machine in his basement because he just doesn't <laughs> seem to get any slower be able to win the greatest of all or the MVP at 38 years old in the MLL is just you know, an absolute feat in itself but you know he he really is a great guy and you know the best to, the best time to see him is when he's off the floor and, and in public you could never meet a more humble down-to-earth well-spoken you know fun person to be around type of guy and I, I truly mean that from you know not just saying that because I went to Syracuse and because Casey's a legend there but you know, truly he is just an phenomenal phenomenal person and you know the way he relates with kids and and coaching them and keeping them motivated and you know they see a guy like Casey at his age playing the way he does with guys half his age and he's just you know it's just tremendous to see he's a great person Steve I'd like to uh, address a question to you real quick if uh so Casey I don't know if you read lacrosse magazine Brian uh it comes with your U.S. lacrosse membership so I get it my son gets a a copy every month and, and Casey was the editor for uh, an episode, uh, what do you call it? An edition. Uh, it was last month, I believe. At any rate, Steve, Casey Powell, and, and please elaborate on this a little bit. He said that you know one of the questions he was at. He's he's always asked, "How do you compete at this level at your age?" And he said he drinks as much water as he could possibly stomach. He starts chugging the minute he wakes up. He doesn't lift any weights because he wants to preserve his joints. He does a lot of yoga and does a lot of running. But if you look at him, he's pretty built up. Like he's not a – right, Bri? He's not a small guy. Not not by any means. I mean he's just a nat- – <clears throat> he's just got a natural athletic body style. Kind of thick with big forearms. So, Steve, what, what what do you think about that uh, from the, your strength and agility specialist? So. Yeah, you know, I think that's a – it's an interesting point that you make. And um, I, I believe that there's no one-size-fits-all, yeah. um, you know, for anything in life – especially in, you know, wellness programs, fitness programs, athletic uh, performance training programs. Um, He's obviously found a recipe, uh, a design program that works best for his body and where he's at in his life. I can uh, empathize with that, you know, being almost 41 years old. I don't push the weights around uh, as heavy as I used to. Um, I definitely enjoy stretching and yoga type movements a lot more. I believe they're more beneficial for the way my body is at this point. Um, you know, I, I feel like I'm still performing at a pretty high level. Like I just ran a, a mile in, uh, 6:30, uh, which was awesome. Um, and I ran a 400 in 127, uh, about two weeks ago. And, you know, that's, 
pretty fast. And, uh, you know, I'm pushing it, but I know when to back off. And I'm sure that's what he's doing. I'm sure there's a preservation uh, mentality he's got going on. He wants to preserve his body as much as possible. But by no means, you know, do I want to I want to make this very clear is lifting weights uh, going to damage joints is there's no means that, you know, that yoga is the only way to preserve your body. I believe it always has to be a, a well-balanced and well-rounded program. I'm sure at one point that was a focus of strength training for him. And he has probably a body type, uh, like Brian alluded to, said that he has a natural athletic body. Some people naturally are built and don't really have to lift weights. Um, yeah, Herschel Walker. Yeah, I was just going to say that. He used yeah. to do like a thousand push-ups. In sit-ups. doing push-ups. Yeah. I mean, when you're doing yoga, you're doing down dog and planks and, you know, chair poses. You're mm-hmm. using your body and you're using uh, gravity to be able to manipulate to add force and resistance to your to your joints and body and muscles to make them strong and keep them resilient. So. Yeah, uh, Lawrence Taylor, another one who n- never lifted weights. Now, what about you, Brian? You lift quite a bit? Um, yeah, I, uh, I lift just about every day. Um, I've been getting into more high-intensity training, uh, high-intensity interval training um, at our new gym here in um, Gaithersburg, Maryland. And, and I usually follow that up with some sort of um, speed and agility, footwork, lateral movement um, sort of drill um, just to kind of, you know, preserve myself. You know, playing indoor lacrosse, it's a lot of sprinting and it's a lot of short, high, intense, you know, inter- interval kind of 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, 30 seconds on, hmm. 30 seconds off. And honestly, it's the hardest 30 seconds of your life. So I see, you know, CrossFit style workouts or, you know, those types of things are working for my sort of training because I'm constantly changing muscles, constantly getting hit in certain areas per se in terms of, you know, doing different movements and whatnot. And I, I found that that's the best way that I've been able to train for the indoor game now. Does it work for outdoor? No, because I think I need a lot. I need more. I need to be more long-winded for the longer runs. Um, you get a little bit more of a break. So I kind of change up my my style of working out on a day-to-day basis. But one thing does remain consistent. I hit the wall every single day now that I have opened the facility, and my stick skills have gotten tremendously better, both righty and lefty. And you know, I could feel my forearms and my muscle memory and my shoulders and my and my arms getting stronger from that. That's fantastic. Um, so uh, another question. Are you playing in the uh, Clark alumni game this year? When is that? I, I believe it's, it's always Black Friday. Um, if it's Black Friday, I think I am. We'll see. Okay. I broke, I broke Brian Paris's head last year, and he's pretty upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, somebody nearly broke my head last year. I forgot his name, but took me out in the crease, if you remember. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Did you lose your car keys, too? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I, it's a, I got a little frazzled after that hit. I, I thought it was a no contact game. I'm like, and, and then, and then Mr. C throws the flag, and I'm like, and he call, he calls late hit. I'm like, oh, okay, so we're hitting here. I guess, I guess we're hitting in the alumni game. Well, so be it. I wish I'd known that before I, you know, took the ball down to the crease that low. <laughs> Anyways, um, I'm not gonna make it this year, unfortunately. Steve, you gonna be up there for the alumni game? I will not be there Thanksgiving. I'm thinking about heading there for Christmas, though. Okay. Well, this has been a great conversation, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. I really look forward to your visit here, Brian, just a few weeks away. We always have a blast when you're here. The camps are phenomenal. The kids are looking forward to it. Steve, anything to chime in on before we 
No, Say good night. Looking, looking for a great camp. Uh, and Brian, we always thank you for your support and uh, your expertise in helping us raise the standard of lacrosse in Vieira and elsewhere. Thank you so much for having me, Stephen Roger. I'm pumped to get down there in uh, that first week of December. I'm hoping that we can get more and more kids every time that we come down. I'm a big fan of competition breeds success. Um, you know, if you have nothing going on and you want to get better, learn some new tips, learn some new tricks, get some great speed and agility work in, get ready for the uh, the upcoming spring season. Um, you know, do your best to make it on by. We're going to play tons of fun games, lots of touches, uh, lots of compete drills. It'll be a good time. Excellent. Well, if, if, if the summer was any indication, I, I absolutely know it's going to be phenomenal. Thank you so much for joining us, Steve. Always a pleasure, my friend. To all the lax lovers out there, keep laxing on, and thank you for listening.